Brown victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley. It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. And we're back here on the Oz Football Hour on FNR Football Nation Radio. Get your questions or your comments in on the comments, uh, wherever you're watching from, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, We're on YouTube as well, streamed live wherever you get it, or if you're even listening on the app. Uh, make sure you get in touch with the show. Give us a review. Give us a rating. And uh, we always love it when we when we get interaction from the viewers. Uh, let's talk A-League. Uh, I think we'll start with the, the Pride game on Saturday night. Adelaide United 2, Central Coast Mariners 1. A great occasion at Highmarsh Stadium. A late winner from the young Dynamo Nestori Iran Kunda. And a very good night for the city and the club. Uh, but Central Coast Mariners just keep copping late goals. It's just extraordinary. They are finding every way not to win at the moment. We talked about we talked about it with Dan Hall last week, you know, three or four. They've lost points, dropped mm. points with late goals, and they did that again. Um, not VAR controversy during the week aside. Yeah, they're one nil up. So they had it. Uh, they one nil up. They saved a penalty. Um, Birigidi saved a mm. Craig Goodwin penalty as well. I keep saying Birigidi's the best goalkeeper in the league. So I latch onto any evidence to to back that up. Pretty handy. It was actually, definitely the best shot stopper. Anyway, well, Goodwin's missed a few penalties that now with that um, with that stuttered run up. But if you watch Birigidi, never kept his kept his eyes on him the whole time and went the right way, and it was never going in. Really great save. Um, he is. He's an outstanding goalkeeper. So, I mean, they've got the tools. And then if you look at the the goal the Mariners scored, our man Jason Cummings, his little control and, he, and his he pass. He brought that ball out of the stratosphere. Fantastic. Like, that's what you want from bringing everyone else into the game, which is what he did. And um, looking good. But then Adelaide have found another 16-year-old who's come on late and scored the winner. So, just fantastic. Fantastic for... For the game and and that um, as a spectacle, the Pride game. It's unfortunate that's the only Pride game we had across the A League. Mm. It was just the one club hosting instead of a it. round. Yeah, it should be a round, I guess. I mean, it makes sense for Adelaide to kick it off. In fairness, with, with Josh Cavallo, yeah. it does. Um, they got a lot of prom- a lot of promotion and publicity within South Australia, which is great. So if we we did that and pushed that across all the states and mm. across the league, would be ideal. So maybe this is a a stepping stone for us, like the the one off. Uh, uh, jerseys as well, which looked really good. They looked fantastic. Yeah, so I want one. <laughs> yeah, so they'll, they'll bring that in. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the the powers that be see that and say, "Hey, <laughs> this mm. is this might actually work." So it was a great spectacle, a great result for Adelaide. It's very disappointing for the Mariners again. Yeah, I mean the Mariners just can't seem to buy a result at the moment, and they always seem to to fold late in games. They've been so unlucky. You, you were watching on Tuesday night. Uh, last week, I did. Yes, just after we went off air, you jetted off to Amy Park to watch uh, Sean Evans make a meal of every VAR decision and leave Mariners fans fuming. We actually mentioned last week that perhaps the drinks break or the ad breaks could be done during VAR, and there certainly was enough time for some ad breaks. Five minutes, both times, I think it took um, to get to the wrong decision. Well, yes. Well, the VAR made the right decision by mm. call, as we said, calling back the ref. Hey, hey, mate, you need to look at this because I don't think. He's inside the box, or I don't think. Um, I think he did actually stand on his foot. So I think the VAR was actually correct in both. In my opinion, both those situations, the the ref coming back to look at it 
was was an interesting one, especially the second one because he took a long, long time to look at that Lecky and um, Miller incident. And at one stage, he was actually sort of half moving away, like mm. he made a decision, and then he came back again. So he was in two minds himself. So, yeah. Um, again, if you if you reverse those um, those penalty decisions, and maybe Mariners steal a win there, three two, potentially. This game against Adelaide, though, I thought they did themselves no favours with the way they they defended that late set piece, the second ball into the box. I mean, talk about a young squad Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe that can be used as an excuse in in certain scenarios for not having the experience and mental fortitude to see our games. But it was actually two of the more experienced players in Bozanic and and Cy Goddard who were not tracking their players and young Dan Hall was left marking, marking two. Yeah, we talk about youth, but the youth scored the winner for Adelaide. So, yeah. you know, you've got to counter, exactly, counter it somewhat. Yeah. So, you know, they need – I don't know what the deal is. Um, they've all been late, injury time or 86 minutes plus. I think it's becoming a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy for the Mariners now. They seem to get very antsy when it gets into stoppage time. I mean, this is Monday morning quarterbacking from me, reading the results yeah. and trying to interpret, but what else are we going to do? And you know, it, it seems as if they, they conceded a few late and now they seem to get jumpy every time the, the result's on the line because they're a team that don't usually get separation. They, they don't – they, they are always competitive in games, but they're unlikely to have a two-goal cushion at really any, at any point stage, this yeah. season. So it's always in the balance and, you know, they, they need to learn to see these games out. I'm not sure – What's involved in that? Maybe they need to embrace the dark arts a little bit more and uh, be a little less honest. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, we've, met, we've mentioned it before when sometimes when teams are out of form and they start mm. playing a, a lower team and we've been quite the kiss of death when we did that saying, you know, the victory were playing the Wanderers and ended up losing. But um, Mariners host Brisbane Raw this coming Saturday. So um, weather permitting, obviously, in, uh, in New South Wales. Maybe that's the chance to get back on track. I also feel as if they seem to be dropping the defensive line late in games and playing quite deep. Um, you know, maybe that's not applicable for the for the victory result. I guess that was a that was a break. Um, you know, there's but I, I do think they they defend well on the front foot, and when they they go away from that and stop uh, applying pressure to the ball and start giving the opposition space to come at them, it's asking for for trouble. Yeah, I look, the second last on the ladder. I don't think they're the second worst team in the comp. So I, I think this ladder is very deceptive, to be is, honest. It is very deceptive. I mean, it's starting to even up. When I mean, we talk about the the Feb football frenzy, we were we were going to have 10 games from last week to now. We got eight because of the weather. Um, the fixture's been updated. There's a lot of Wednesday games to come up, but it's actually getting quite close now. I think uh, Perth Glory played 11, and I think Melbourne City 15, Adelaide United and Sydney FC 15. So there's four games sort of gap between the most and the, and the least, but it's getting tighter. I don't think Central Coast need – they're probably mid-table to pushing into the six, to be honest. Well, I, I think there's a clear worst team in the league at the moment, and that's Perth Glory. But going home now with the border reopening, maybe just the difference in morale and the difference of having a home ground advantage when you haven't had him for so long makes the difference for that side. I, I thought they were atrocious against Western United. I really thought that was – a terrible performance and they looked totally directionless and rudderless uh, with Brandon O'Neill starting on the bench. They had no midfield. There were players, square pegs in round holes all over the pitch. I, I thought that was just a horrendous coaching job by by Richard Garcia against Western United. And Western United fans making the most noise. I mean, it was in Tasmania. We're closer mm. to Melbourne for their sort of home game. Yeah, they were, they were Not very... much noise to be made, no, to be fair, that's what I mean. in that last-minute Tassie game. <laughs> very, um, they've been poor. 
they've been poor. Let's hope though. So they they're back to Perth for the first time since round one. Mm. They play Adelaide on on the on the on the Sunday actually yep. Sunday night. So um, let's hope that uh, the Perth public will say right. Guys are coming home. They've put in a, a massive effort for the last four months. They've had to quarantine here and there. A lot of issues, not coming back for Christmas and the rest of it, and look after them. So they had a massive crowd in, in round one. And if we go back to last season, if we remember Wellington Phoenix when they got that one home game back um, and the crowds came out in droves for it. So maybe absence makes the heart grow fonder. Unfortunately, their draw card for round one, Daniel Sturridge, doesn't look like to be playing for a little while yet uh, another Another injury. It's so curious. I mean, we, we pinpointed this, myself and Lockie, in our preview show at the start of the season. It looked like an unbalanced team. Uh, when you've got most of the salary tied up in uh, the Spanish guy they signed, his name mm-hmm. temporarily escapes me because he's barely yep. seen the pitch. Uh, Keo, Fornaroli, Sturridge, you've got all these forwards in the side, and then just loads of fullbacks. Mm. You know, you've got Rawlins, Otter, Clisby, uh, Burke Gilroy, I think is best as a wing back or a full back as yep. opposed to a winger. I just don't think I just don't think you can start Burke Gilroy and Clisby on the wings in a four three three and expect to get away with it. You know, and even and even up front too, like they're, they're clearly just going to need the the one. Either Bruno has been subbed off for Andy Keogh most of the time, or mm. trying to get Sturridge into the mix there as well. It's just not an efficient use of resources. No, it's not. And Bruno played has played the last three. Three full ninety minutes, they said on the on the call. So he's played he's played every game. So he's he's dying for a rest as well. Uh, I watched the Wednesday night game. Um, I watched Western United Sydney here in in Melbourne, and then I got home mm. and I was just going to have a rest. And then I saw they said Sturridge is coming on for the second half, and I got a little interest in in the marquee or the guest player. So I put yeah. it on to to watch him there. And eighteen minutes, he did his groin and had to be subbed off. Not been a good advertisement for the. For no, the, and the marquee and phenomenon. When do they when do they cut their losses with this? To be honest, um, I think I'd, like he's had he's had COVID. He's had three stints in quarantine. He was triple vaxxed. He had to spend two weeks in Perth before you know when he was you know the funny guy on social media and needed to find the barber and the rest of it and took all those selfies in round one and then it's just there's been nothing. Like he's had a couple of shots, a free kick and. And Mr. Mr. Sitter a few weeks back, but it's he really hasn't fired a shot in anger. He must be taking up a lot of coin mm. for the glory. Hadn't played for 14 months prior to this as well. So the gamble hasn't paid off. I wonder what the dollar per minute ratio of Surridge salary is going to be at the end of the year, you know? Yeah, uh, look, it's... Is it time for them to get mutual? How many Liverpool fans are there in Perth that are going to come to the game for the selfies coming up that are going to recoup the money that they've lost having to spend, play games in Tassie and around the East Coast and stuff? Like it's a, it's a and fair if he's question. even fit for those games. No, so Tony, can... Tony Sage is there hemorrhaging money with this whole mm. season and they've just spent whatever it is on the outside the cat for this marquee. That's just not... It was foreseeable as well. He's got a terrible check-in injury history. He has. The English patient. That's He is. Um so it's interesting, but, like, but what do you do? Do you say, right, no, we're sticking with him because what he adds to us promotional-wise, they haven't missed out on because of all the COVID mm. issues. Um, it's, a really, it's a real tough one. I, I can't, if he's done his groin, he's not, he's not coming back for three, to, three yeah. or four weeks, right, minimum. And given his history, they'd probably mm. add a couple of weeks to that yeah, as well. Because he doesn't so, play unless he's 100% fit, as yeah, we know. Yeah, that's right. And the season finishes end of April, so we've got two months to go. Mm. You're right, it's running out of time. They're running out of time. Perth are going to have to cram all their game, games in as well. But Sturridge can't play every three days. No, it's yeah, right. even if he is fit. So. Yeah, play, well, now we might be able to play the home games because he can't fly four mm. hours and play. So, um, yeah, this it's is a disaster. It is. Let, well, 
I, I do feel for the glory because the, the fact that they've played one game at home and they've been over over the east eastern part of the, mm. the country, it's it's been very, very tough for them. Let's hope they can turn it around. They're going to burgle a few wins at home. With the class of Fornaroli and Keo up front, they get, they are going to pinch some wins. Mm. Um, it won't be enough to, to make a real dent in there towards the finals, I would have thought. I don't think we made enough of Viran Kunda's uh, winner and mm-hmm. his impact this season. Two goals, both of them absolute screamers. One of them a free kick and now this absolute thunder bastard of yep. a shot that actually broke the net. We, I didn't see that, really. So yeah. there was a, a picture that did the rounds on social media afterwards and the net is just, you know, Costa Barbarossa's net repair style yeah, nice just just hanging off the <laughs> the corner of the goal uh, in the immediate aftermath. I don't even know if they bothered, bothered to fix it because... Uh, it was so late in the game. It was basically the last kick. Uh, but that was the velocity on that ball. Uh, you know, I think it, there was nothing wrong with the way the net was installed. It was just the most powerful shot that anyone's hit all season. It was amazing. Yeah. he um, And the, ba- the backflip was great as well. Yeah, the celebrations were great and the crowd in front of the, you mm. know, the active support and the rest of it. It was a fantastic goal and that's the highlights we want. That's what you and I want. This is a development league. We want mm. young kids coming into the teams and doing that at the at the death and, and you know, elevating us, the excitement level. We want to talk about these guys and, and these kind of goals, you know. We don't want to talk about ageing stars and their injuries. We want to talk about goals yeah. like that. So it was fantastic. Yeah, I was I was super happy to, to see that and I, I hope he continues to get a bit of buzz to go, you know, with the performances and the and the goals. You know, he's he's a bit part player at the moment at Adelaide. You know, there's a lot of lot of contenders for yeah. those wing positions. Um, probably the strongest area of the team or the or the deepest area of the squad. Um, but he, he he looks the business in uh, in the small snippets we've we've seen of him. And I, I think there's something to be said for a player so young who clearly embraces the spotlight in that way. We talked about Volpato, which got all the attention mm. before, but um, the African-Australians that are coming mm. into the A-League. I Particularly mean, out of South Australia. Absolutely, coming out of Adelaide, like the, the Toure's and, and, and the like. But what are we doing in regards to their allegiances with potential? That's a good segue. <laughs> I thought so. That's what I brought it up. <laughs> so uh, someone in the know, in the, the Qual clan, has, has tweeted out that uh, Alu and Teng... Um, the two two of the brothers, mm-hmm. two of the five, I believe, uh, have been included in South Sudan's World Cup qualifying squad. Um, so you know they're they're potentially uh, in danger of of defecting. I think they need three or four games under their belt now yeah. in, at a competitive level to com- to permanently cap tie them to to South Sudan. But particularly in Alu's case. He's playing at a decent level in in Germany, yeah. Zwei Bundesliga and Soundhausen on loan, of course, from from Stuttgart. That's uh, that's a big loss. It will be a big loss. I mean, most of the uh, sorry, a lot of the South Sudanese players are Australian based that mm. they've brought through Kenny a few and, and and sort of these guys. There was five or six, I think, Australian based players in the last. A lot of them in the NPL as well. A lot of them in the NPL as well. McCare, McCare, for example. Organised football, um, getting them through development, that kind of thing. But I'm not sure what we're doing um, to talk to the other African Australians that may have um, allegiances to different countries of what we can actually do to say, you know, because are South Sudan going to make the World Cup? 
Well, no, not in the immediate term. No, that's correct, right? So if you want to sell the dream of potentially, well, Australia's got to make the World Cup, but you want to sell the dream of Asian Cup and, and qualification mm. and the rest of it playing in front of you. Well, South Sudan don't generally really qualify for AFCON either. Yeah, so. that's right. So we need to be doing, I think we need to be doing a lot more to try and uh, encourage these guys. You know what, what is part of the problem is the fact that we haven't had any junior national team fixtures to call these guys up for and make them feel like they're part of the fold. We you know, because Alu's... Yep. Definitely a youth international. He's yes. not a senior international yet, no. but he's a youth international for, sh- for sure. And that's, yeah, that's correct is what we need. Youth develop. We talk about youth development a lot and, and with that needs to happen because I don't think... I, I, don't, I honestly think Football Australia have been sitting on their hands in regards to the, the youth national teams. Maybe it's because of the dual role that Trevor Morgan's playing at the moment. Uh, maybe it's because of a lack of funds to stage games, but, it, you know... Other youth national teams around the world have started up their programs again, and we seem to be lagging behind in, in terms of massive because the, the funnel of players from participation through to the elite level hasn't changed for us. If not, it's probably got better. Like we always sell participation, participation yeah. as the you know that's yeah. the main selling point for football. But when it gets to the development of youth players, so we're talking these sixteen to twenty two. Mm. That's where they're going. That's where that's where we're sort of missing out. So we, that's we, the performance gap. Yeah, correct. And that's what we what we love seeing these guys into the the A League and, and performing. But you know they they're still kids. They're still learning, so they can't sort of develop so much. They're going to have cameos and the rest of it, and then push them through. So we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, there's there's other there's other players with African heritage that there's mm. they've sort of mentioned as well that uh, are the chance to go down that path too, and. International football is international football. You know, you to say that you're an international footballer rather than a club mm. footballer is pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't uh, disrespect, I guess, the the dream of playing for you know the, the country of, no, of birth or heritage yeah. as well. Like, that can be a big deal for some players, and it's, very, it's a deeply personal thing. Yeah. Um, but I also wonder whether there could be a, potentially a, I guess, power play here to put them more in the conversation for the Australia team, particularly in Alu's case, because you see the buzz that yeah. Volpato's got just because he's eligible for Italy and it yeah. feels urgent. Yes. Well, that, the only difference between that is that, you know, you, you've got a football, a recognised World Cup winning nation like Italy versus South Sudan that aren't going to make, haven't made World Cups, yeah. you know, in the past. And that's the, the reason the publicity is there, so I guess. But it'll be interesting to see. We need to we need to keep developing our youth players. We can develop youth players. We need to get them to that next level, get them to Germany, get them to Italy, and then have them come back when they're, they're good enough to play for the national team, if that's mm. what they desire. Have them back playing for the for the Oli Roos and the, and the Joeys. And yeah, and the Young and, so and the rest of it, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, we'll have to wait and see whether uh, Alu Kual is, is lost to the, the national team. I mean, he's definitely a, a prospect at this point, but um, you know, I don't, I don't think this necessarily rules him out. Um, just because he's been he's been called up for for a qualifier, even if he gets on the field, it doesn't technically rule him out um, in terms of the FIFA rules and where they're at these days. Um, but we'll polish off the A League games before we go to a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Orr's stunning goal in the two-two draw with Newcastle probably wasn't even the biggest story to come out of that game. But uh, what a strike! That volley was unbelievable. It was unbelievable, and second week in a row for Tommy as well. So he scored another a cracker before that. So that's handy form. They've got the they've got the talent, MacArthur. Mm. They do. They've got a lot of ability with him just sort of running through and, and scoring like that. I mean, he seems to have always played better when he hasn't been on the wing. For, for, throughout his career for, for mine, Tommy Orr, he's had his best club football when he was playing as a number 10 uh, in, in Holland. 
in, in the Netherlands. And now he's playing as a central midfielder at MacArthur rather than out on the wing. And I think, you know, at this point in his career, he's probably lost a yard of his pace that he had when he was much younger. And I think that's that's potentially benefiting him. Of course, it's easy to overanalyze based on, you know, two awesome goals in two weeks. But, no, but you might be right because he was um, – his, his uh, left foot and his height. I think it was at pace. Utrecht where he yeah. had 10 or 12 assists for the season playing as a number 10. Mm. He's got, he's got quite a, a culture left foot and I guess he he sort of slipped out of relevance when he was in the mire of the the Mariners' worst years and, yeah. and so forth. But he, he seems to have uh, had something of a renaissance this season. He has, which is um which is good for him. But I I think you're right. He might he was probably pigeonholed because of his height and his pace and that left left foot sort mm. of um centering ball. Um no, fantastic goals from Tommy Orr. Hopefully, it continues for MacArthur, who are quietly just sort of sneaking their way through up the ladder. There, they're third and the third. They had the ladder. a big blip. They started the season amazingly well, had mm. a big blip, and then now they're getting results again. You know, I still don't love watching them, but they've been a little bit more entertaining in recent weeks. Craig Noon's playing very well. Yeah, they've got a trip to Melbourne um, coming up, victory, and then uh, Melbourne City as well. But, yeah, they, they have talent. If you look at the players, mm. if you don't look at formations and tactics and strategies, you just look at their players, then, yeah, they should be thereabouts come uh, the pointy end. Been one of the most difficult teams to get a read on all season. <laughs> Absolutely. Newcastle Jets, uh, always exciting, always temperamental and unpredictable uh, with their results. They, they seem to be involved in the most entertaining games of the season without necessarily getting wins on the board. Yeah, own goals and, and, mm. and the rest of it. And, right. yeah, coughing up leads, individual mistakes at the back. Yep. It must be a frustrating experience for, for Arthur Pappas uh, coaching that team. Uh, but they, they have brought in Brandon Wilson, uh, Ollie Roos player, of course, uh, has the Botswana eligibility and he's <laughs> always talked about nice. in Botswana yep. apparently, yes. yep. uh, which is a nice little tidbit. Uh, but he's he's going to fill a void for them, potentially right back or in central midfield. Uh, but the story come out of this one was the uh, the Ukraine tribute from Georgian striker Becker Mikhail Tadze after he scored the penalty, unveiling a, a T-shirt he had stashed behind the goal with uh, a heart in Ukraine colours and then a Ukraine flag underneath it and obviously meant a lot to him because he comes from a place that was invaded by Russia in 2008. So he, there are a few individuals uh, in the Australian football sphere who, who could empathise to such an extent. Yeah, and, and um, I think Simon Hill said it on uh, Offside as I saw him say that the FIFA will actually overlook. They don't normally like these sort of politicised um, statements, but they'll overlook a lot of these ones that have been going on in, in world football all the way around. Milos uh, Ninkovic played over 100 games in Kiev as well, in the Ukraine as that's well. True. So he has, um, um, I think, outside of Sydney FC, that's the most club football he's played for. So he would have a... a a link there as well, but it was a, a wonderful tribute. Um, yeah, it really was. Um, obviously, someone that lives nearby and can and can really uh, empathise with this situation. But um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, there'll be no sanctions or anything like that. It was just a wonderful moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our hearts go out to, to anyone affected, of, of course. But uh, Mikkel Tadze has been one of my favourite additions to the league mm. this year. He's so. Uh, He's a, he's a striker that always imposes himself and involves himself in the game, and he's second on the goal tally. He is. He's only two behind uh, J-Mac. He uh, snuck up there recently. He well, he keeps sneaking goals here and there. Yeah. He's, you know, he's just probably under the radar a touch, but, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely been uh, in pretty good form. Well, I think that's uh, all the A-League action done, so we'll take a break. We've got more to talk about on the other side, including the AFC National Second Division Report. 
Uh, so stick around here on the Oz Football Hour for more. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Again, oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Mafia.